things from a different perspective and how's the body of Christ we're really to minister to others, especially within the body itself. That God has not put us here just to meander through, but to minister one to another and to those who are in need. Amen? So, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Let me put it this way. I figured, why not do something edifying instead of hammering you more stuff from James on how we need to transform our lives, right? So today we're going to do something a little edifying. When you leave here, you really should just walk out of here elated. Amen? Because we're going to talk about our Heavenly Father. And um, today is Father's Day. And and I'll give you a little background on the roots of Father's Day. It actually starts. Uh, finds its roots in Roman Catholicism back in the Middle Ages, 13th, 14th century, when they made March 19th a day to honor St. Joseph, the uh, earthly father of Jesus. And in time, when the Spanish and Portuguese came to the Americas, they brought this with them. And then as the United States began to flourish and really became a Protestant nation, many of our a Father's Day where all fathers would be honored. Jane Addams, who was a great social reformer in the, in the 19th century, pushed for it. Often instituted a third day, the third Sunday of the month, to be a Father's Day. And finally, in 1972, President Nixon made it an official holiday that this would be called Father's Day, 1972. He made that a Father's Day, and that's what we celebrate today. So there is some history behind this that goes all the way back to the Middle Ages. So this morning, we could spend a lot of time reflecting on our fathers and memories of those who have passed, or even on the memories we're building now as dads. For many here today, we are dads, granddads, and we're building memories. For some of us, those memories could be really wonderful. Like when you talk to TJ and and his dad recently passing, right? But such wonderful memories. Others, uh, Rich and I were together. And he talks about how his dad was just a wonderful influence on him and taught him all the things he can do. He can do anything from plumbing, you name it, he can do it. But then there's some of us whose memories aren't so wonderful and and they're somewhat painful, yes, who haven't had good fathers. But whatever the case, in Scripture tells us that we are to honor our fathers and our mothers. So we honor the position they are in, regardless of whether they were wonderful or they were painful memories. And we've had different situations because all our fathers were different. Cultural differences, nationality differences. If you're a paisan, you know what I mean. Yeah, your father, when he got mad about a being, he'd whack you, right? But there were nationality differences, experiential differences, personality differences. So the approach that we have to fatherhood and to Father's Day could be very different amongst everybody here. Could it not? Could it not? Yes. But let me say this. If you are here today and you are a born-again Christian, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, one who by the grace of God has placed our faith in Christ, we are now part of the family of God and we have one Father in common, our Heavenly Father. So no matter what our background is, we all come together and have a Heavenly Father who loves us. Amen? And we sang about it this morning. Let me begin with a scripture, and then we're going to piggyback off of this with a scripture in Ephesians. But guess what? Guess what book it's found in? The book of Romans. My favorite. All right, listen to what it says in Romans 8, 14, and 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive 
brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, it begins with faith in Jesus Christ. Because when we place our faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's then that the Holy Spirit indwells us and takes us into that fellowship where we can now call God our Father. So by faith in Christ, we've entered into communion with God, and we can now call him Abba, Father. Let me give you some passages of Scripture that I just believe are edifying. Galatians 3.26, and they should be up there. For you are all sons, and may I say daughters of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how our position changes. By faith in Christ, we are adopted into his family. Galatians 4, 4 to 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive a spirit, uh, uh, adoption to sonship. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. And we're going to get to that, what it means to be an heir of God. John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And that is what we are. We're children of the living God. And finally, another one, 1 John 3.1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we shall be called the children of God. And that is, brothers and sisters, we are. We are the children of the living God. The one and only Heavenly Father has taken us into his family because of our faith in Christ. It's a blessing beyond what we can compare. And as his children, we not only ought to honor him and reverence him and be obedient to his will and to his word as we would with any earthly father, but listen carefully. We can also come to him and call him Abba. And this is an endearing term. It's one of warm affection and filial confidence. It's not just calling him Father, but we can call him Abba. And it's endearing. For us here this morning, it's a term that we could say is Daddy or Papa. And it expresses a relationship, one of love and confidence. So we can come to the Heavenly Father who created all things, who is holy and righteous and perfect, and we can say, Dad. Papa, because it's an intimate relationship that we have entered into with Father God. Amen? Family, this is intimate. God is our Father, and he loves us with an eternal love that's beyond our understanding or comprehension. We often use the Greek word agape, which means a sacrificial love, right? And the best scripture to point to is probably the, one of the most quoted scriptures that Christians use, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes into Christ shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you understand what God has done there when we ever want to think about the kind of love he has for us? That he would take his only begotten son from eternity past and speak in the Godhead that he would send his son into the world to redeem wretched, rotten, heathen, pagan sinners like us. Oh, harsh words true words, but that he would send his son to go through all that Jesus did, all the suffering, the cross, the wrath he took, because the Father wanted to reconcile us back to him and found the perfect way to do it in the plan of God of salvation.
and the Father reconciles us back. And as our robber and as his children, we can enter his presence. Do you realize that? Anytime, 24-7, we can go before our Father in heaven because Scripture says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. So we can go before him with anything that is on our minds and hearts that he knows already. Because he's omniscient, he knows those things already, but we can go before him. And listen, he alone, he alone is able to do all above what we can even imagine. It tells us that in Ephesians 3.20. And nothing is impossible for him. It tells us that in Matthew 19.26. And if that is not a comfort for all of us today, I don't know what to preach to you. That the God of all creation allows us to come before his throne 24-7. He's able to do above all we can imagine, and he has all the power to do it. So no matter what is going on in your life, we can go and say, Abba, this is killing me. Abba, I'm tired. Abba, I have a doctor's appointment. Abba, anything. And our Heavenly Father listens to the prayer of his children. What a blessing. And child of God, listen carefully. Please, this is so important. Whatever background, whatever baggage we bring in, we must look into the Word of God and enter into a relationship with our Heavenly Father as the way the Scriptures describe Him. We can come in here with some real scars from what happened in life from dads or dads who were absent. There was no father. But we can't look and hold on to that baggage. We have to come and look at what it says about our Father and that relationship within the pages of Scripture. And you will be blessed. Leave the baggage behind and go on with what the Word of God says about your dad, okay? Your heavenly dad. Because, listen, he loves us. He agapes us. It's a sacrificial love that he loves for his... Ephesians 1, we're going to look at verse 3 to 6 for starts. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined or preordained. He knew he was going to choose him to be his Lord and Savior. So he preordained us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. You must understand that before the creation of the world, he purposed and knew that there would be a group of people who would accept that gospel by faith. And in doing so, by having our faith into Christ, he's brought us into an adoption of sonship in Jesus. Amen? And as I've discussed before, let me give you a proper understanding of what this means. Now remember, Paul is writing this to a first century. This is the church in Rome he's writing this to. And listen to what it says, a commentary on what Roman adoption is. Quote, an adopted child, especially an adopted son, sometimes had greater prestige and privilege than natural children. According to Roman law, a father's rule over his children was absolute. If he was disappointed with his natural son's skill, character, or any other attribute, he would search diligently for a boy available for adoption who demonstrated the qualities he desired. If the boy proved himself worthy, the father would take the necessary legal steps for adoption. At the death of the father, a favored son would sometimes inherit the father's title, the major part of the estate, and would be the primary progenitor of the family name, end quote. 
Now, because of the significance of this, ready? Very specific legal proceedings took place. Listen carefully, because this is really where the rubber meets the road for us this morning. The first step totally severed the boy's legal and social relationship to his natural family. So everything before was separated. Christian, we're no longer in Adam. We've been separated from the life of being in Adam. Do you hear me? We've been separated from that. And we are now, as you'll see, and the second thing was to put him permanently into his new family. We are now in Christ. In Christ. Do you hear me? We're no longer in the first Adam. We are in the second Adam, which is a blessing. In addition, ready? All previous debts and obligations were eradicated. Church, our debt for sin is gone. Eradicated by the blood of Christ. So we've come out of being in the first Adam. We are now in the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And the slate was washed clean. New creations in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have been adopted by God, grafted into his family, and we can call him Abba, Daddy, Papa, new creations. Listen to John 14, 20. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. We are now in communion of the family of God. It was great when we looked at this in the Truth Project. He showed us fear. It had the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect unity. And when we put our faith in Christ, we're brought into that communion of the Godhead. If that doesn't blow your mind, that we are now in union with God Almighty as his children because we're in Christ. Listen to Romans 5.10. Our relationship has changed. We used to be enemies of God. But now we're adopted sons and daughters. We've gone from being enemies to children. Romans 5.10 says it like this. If while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? No longer enemies. Can you imagine? But now considered adopted sons and daughters of the living God in communion with him. And what I'd like to do now is look at some of the blessings that we have as his adopted children. And I say some because I really believe that eternity because he is going to bless us beyond what we can understand. Amen? So stay in Ephesians 1. Let's read it again together from verse 3 to 10. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to adoption, to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, and he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. First of all, church, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Before we even get into Ephesians, do you realize that we've been justified? And that means just as if we've never sinned and just as we perfectly kept the law of God so that God's legal system, legal proceedings, we are justified before the Father. We're clothed in his righteousness. The Hebrews call him Jehovah Dishkanu. It means God our righteousness. That we're, when the Father sees us now, he sees us in the righteousness of his Son and not as the wretched sinners that we were and still carry with us. 
and they called him Jehovah Mikdash, which means God, our sanctification, that we're sanctified. We are set apart to the Almighty God to be used by him in his service. Think of those blessings. Justified, righteous, sanctified in the eyes of God, no longer seen as an enemy. Praise the Lord. And, and listen, Christ also, look at, let's look at our position as adopted sons and daughters. In verse 7, it tells us this. We've been redeemed. And I want you to listen to this definition of redeemed. It's a verb. It says to free from a lien by payment of an amount owed, thereby removing the obligation of payment. Listen. We had a lien that we couldn't pay. It called for death, physical and spiritual, and we couldn't do anything to satisfy that. No amount of good works, no religious duties, no religious affiliation, but then came one. Because the scripture says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is Jesus Christ. Amen? The gift of God is Christ. The payment was death, and he came. The Son of God came to pay the price, to pay the lien payment. He went to the cross of Calvary so that in him we could have eternal life and be set free. He paid the price. He paid a debt we owed, and our account has been zero balanced in God's ledger. Do you hear me? We don't owe anything for our sin debt anymore. It's been covered by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Listen to Hebrews 9, 24 to 28. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since his creation of the world. But he has appeared, ready, once for all at the culmination of the ages, to do away with sin with the sacrifice of himself. Just as people were destined once to die and after that to face the judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away our sins. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't owe so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be redeemed, brought back by the blood of the Lamb and reconciled to God. Boy, quiet out there. I'd be jumping out of my chair. In verse 7, that we who are in Christ are forgiven. We're forgiven. Psalm 103.12 tells us this, as far as the east is from the west, so far as Christ removed our sins from us. We are forgiven of our sins. Do you hear me? Past, present, future. We are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And they'll never be held against us again. Never will we stand before the Lord and you'll say, like some of us do in our relationship, do you remember? And 20 years ago, God will never do that. Our sins are covered. On that day, listen to me, church. Rejoice. We will not stand at the white throne judgment to be judged for our sins. They're covered. Instead, we will be at the beam of seat judgment where we receive the rewards of what we have done for our faithfulness. Amen? We don't have to fear condemnation, wrath, or judgment because we're in Christ. Amen? We've been forgiven. Family, our sins are covered. Praise God. 
Just mull that over in your minds for a while. That Listen, listen to this. We're under the blood of Christ and we will be rewarded for our faithfulness. So what does that prompt us to do? I don't know what the rewards are. We don't do it to get the rewards, but let's be faithful. Let's be faithful and enjoy those blessings through eternity. And listen, this is great. Not if, but when we sin, and we're all going to sin, do you know we can penitently, graciously go before the Father and he forgives us? 1 John 1, 9. What does it say? This was written to Christian. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Our sins are covered. But sin will block our relationship, if you will, with the Lord. So why not go, confess your sins, and keep the pathway open? Amen? Praise God. We have a heavenly Father who forgives us. Let's go on and look at another blessing we have as sons and daughters. Listen to this. and Go to Ephesians 1, 8, and 9 again. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. And I found this to be so exciting. Family, we are privy, listen to me, to understand the progression, uh, progressive revelation of Scripture of what is going on in the Bible. We have the understanding of who God and man is, what it was when God created man, the fellowship and relationship he wanted to have, and how he's made that whole again, right? We have a knowledge of uh, life and death, heaven and hell, sin and salvation, we understand man's lost condition and our need for redemption. God has opened up our eyes to the bigger picture. When it says with all wisdom and understanding, the word is Sophia, and it's talking to the larger picture. We have the grand scale of things. We can look from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation, and we can understand the plan of God. We know what's coming. So we prepare ourselves, amen, that we have salvation in Christ. And when he says understanding, it's a knowledge of the practical, everyday application of his word through the tests and trials of life. So not only we have the grand picture of all that's going to happen, but he gives us the practical understanding of how to approach each day in his word. So why? We do it from a biblical perspective, an eternal perspective, not a temporal and worldly perspective with all the consequences that go with it. So he kind of protects us. If I do it God's way, it's the best way. But when we try to do things in the world or a worldly way, we usually end up with consequences and hard times. So God has opened up. He's given us the wisdom and understanding of his word so that we can see the big picture and the everyday picture and live as Christians. We have a hope that the world doesn't have. Amen? We're blessed, that, uh, blessed people in that we can know and understand the deep things of God the mystery of his will. We're filled with his Holy Spirit. So when we open up that word, he illuminates these truths. And we can say, ah, ah, see. They look at Psalm 22, it's just a psalm. Isaiah 53, it's just a part of the prophet's message. All the prophecies pointing to the Christ. And you know what's even sadder? To look at our world today, we see prophecy unfolding. And they're walking in blindness, not knowing what's to come. But we do. We have a hope. Amen? The world lives without hope. They put their hope in sinking sand. And as things are spiraling towards the fulfillment, they don't see. And it's said that instead of putting their faith in Jesus Christ, the one who gives them eternal salvation, instead they're being primed to accept the Antichrist, the one who will come in his own name 
and be the leader of the world community and lead us the world into the tribulation period. They'd rather accept him than the true Christ, Jesus Christ. It's sad. But listen, church, rejoice because you have been privy to that information because he's let you understand the mystery of his will and his word. So we know and we put our faith in Jesus and we don't have to fear the coming of the Antichrist of the tribulation because we won't be here and we don't want them to be here. That's why we share the gospel. All right, let's go on and finish up with uh, another one of the many spiritual blessings and it's found in Ephesians 1, 13b and 14. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Do you realize, church, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. God knows who his children are. And the Holy Spirit is a deposit, ready, guaranteeing our inheritance until redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What I'd like to do is couple this with a, a scripture in Romans 8.17 where it says this. Now if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Listen carefully. Let me begin with this. We're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed that we belong to him. Right? And that we are his cherished possession. Can I tell you this morning? We have the absolute assurance of salvation and eternal life in Christ. We're marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's a deposit guaranteeing that we have eternal life and salvation. Praise God. You don't have to fear. Oh, I had a bad day. I sinned against God. I did this. I did that. Under the blood. We confess, but you have the assurance of eternal salvation. Amen? Assurance of salvation in Christ. So we don't have to worry. Romans 8, 38 and 39 tells us this. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Family of God, we are written in the Lamb's book of life. Our names are written in there. Nothing can separate us from his love. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? So when the devil tries to whisper in your ear or someone says, huh, you call yourself a Christian, we do blow it. We confess our sins. We ask forgiveness. We apologize. But we know that we know that nothing can separate us from the love of our Heavenly Father. Amen? And these verses in Romans assure us, listen carefully, we have an inheritance to look forward to as a child of God. Family, for us who are born of his spirit are now children of the living God and we're guaranteed an inheritance. But please don't think about inheritance the way the world does. Just as an adopted son of a Roman citizen got all the privileges of that son, received the inheritances as a son, so we also have an inheritance to receive from our heavenly father. Amen? Let me quickly bless you. It's one of the shorter messages for Father's Day. I know many of us want to... uh, Go home. I got macaroni and meatballs waiting for me. I can't wait. Woo-hoo. All right. Let's look at some of these blessings that we have to look forward to. Can we start with eternal life? Is that not a blessing? There's a blessing that our Heavenly Father has reached out to us with. Yes, that in Christ we have eternal life. We don't have to fear wrath. And guess what? We have a blessed hope. Why can't the rapture happen in our lifetime? Can you imagine the disciples? Oh, when's the Messiah coming? When's the Messiah coming? When's the Messiah coming? And there was the Messiah in the midst of them. So why not today? 
Why not in this generation that the rapture, we have a blessed hope, a blessed assurance that he's coming back to take us to be where he is. We have eternal life. Excuse me. All right. How about eternal peace? Do you realize? Let's just take it individually. How many people wrestle with fears, anxieties, worries, concerns? We'll never have that again. We will have internal peace, and there'll be eternal peace. Man has been looking for the ends of wars and rumors of wars and fighting over possessions and lands and properties and business dealings. They've been looking for an end for that. And when we finally get to God's kingdom, there'll be no more wars, no more rumors of wars, no more fighting over possessions and stuff, no more covetousness, no more sin. It'll be a perfect peace for the Prince of Peace will reign for eternity. Amen? What a blessing. What an inheritance to look forward to. Can you imagine that? You don't have to worry about sending your kids out to play to push the button. We don't have to worry. There'll be an eternal peace. I don't mean to say wacko, but I'm sorry. And we're going to be resurrected to spend eternity in heaven. Let me read Romans 6. Oh, turn there. Romans 6, 3 to 9. Look at this. this is, you know I love Romans. Even though I'm Galabrides, I love the Romans. Or oh, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptized into death in order that ready, just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so the body of sin is done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. We will be resurrected to new life. And death will be that last enemy defeated and will no longer have rule or reign over us again. We will live eternally with no fear of death. We will be resurrected from the grave. When that trumpet blows, the dead in Christ are going to rise. Then we are alive, will go up with them, and we will be with the you want to talk about heaven? Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 2 to 4. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise, heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. Paul, caught up into the third heaven saw and heard things that are beyond our comprehension or understanding. He called it paradise as an explanation. When we get there, we are going to be amazed. You can't even compare this world to what God has in his uh, kingdom. Amen? Amen? Heaven, beyond our understanding. I like what Mike says. Colors will be more vibrant. Sounds will be more vibrant. It'll be on our understanding and comprehension. And that's what we have to look forward to. And look, um, let me tell you, and I love, I love nature. You look out there in the spring and see all the beautiful flowers, all the colors. Look how beautiful you went to Alaska, how beautiful God's creation. It won't even compare to what heaven's going to be like. And God created something wonderful here. Amen? And every time I look at you, honey, I know that his creation is wonderful. Aww. 
I'm getting a macaroni. I even bought the regatta. All right. <laughs> All right, listen. Listen to this. Another one. We'll never sin again. Can you imagine? It seems like as soon as you open your eyes, it starts. There's a great song. I think it's Casting Crowns. As soon as I start the day, the war begins. Doesn't it? Oh, your mind. Business dealings, other people. And we'll never have to wrestle with a sin nature again. Could you imagine ever another thought, word, action, motive, anything of sin? No world system to contend with. No evil one or his cohorts to contend with. We'll never sin again. We will not sin. Sinless. I can't imagine. What a peace that brings in and of itself. And now, if you will, gravy. This is the gravy. Ready? We'll get a crown that lasts forever. 1 Corinthians 9.25 tells us that. We'll receive treasures in heaven. What those treasures are, I don't know. But if God's giving us treasures, they're going to be awesome. Amen? Positions as kings and priests, Revelation 1.5 tells us that. Eternal responsibilities, well, as we rule and reign with Christ, Mark tells us that. This is our inheritance. This is what we have to look forward to. Amen? And let me sum it up with one last verse found in 1 Corinthians. I think I missed the page, guys. We may have to go back. Nah, we're good. We're good. All right, sum it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Ready? No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine the blessings we have because we're children of God. Amen? Christian, we are sons and daughters of the living God, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And even though Romans 18, 8, verse 17b and 18 says this, if we indeed suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So no matter what we go through, this is a sin-cursed world. Our bodies are decaying. The things that we go through, just naturally, and the things we go through for our faith in Christ, they won't compare to what we have to look forward to in glory. This is a vapor. My parents are gone, my grandparents are gone, and I can remember them like yesterday. Sooner or later, if the, the rapture doesn't happen, so will we, but we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear death because we will go to be with our Lord. We will see him face to face. Oh, I did miss something. So, haha, I'm going back. I did miss something. Forgive me. Sorry. If, can't find it. But that's okay. I love having all sides. All right, here we go. Here we go. We're going to see him face to face. And I had, oh, here it is. We're going to see Jesus face to face. Can you imagine? There'll come a day when we finally see the Savior. And I, wanna, I have a poem in my office. Let me read it to you. It says, When I come home to heaven, how joyful it will be. For on that last day at last, my risen Lord I will see. No greater happiness than to see his face, to see the love in his eyes and feel his warm embrace. Then why should earthly cares weigh down upon me so? There'll be a distant memory when at home at last I go. There's going to come a day, church, just as you're looking at me and I'm looking at you, we are going to see the Savior face to face. And Revelation 21 tells us that we will be his people and we, he will be our God and ready. There'll be no more death, 
No more dying, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We don't have to worry. No more corrupt environment that's decaying. No more sin nature. We will be his people, and he will be our God. Amen? And since the old order of things has passed away, guess what? We get resurrected bodies. Oh, how could I leave this out? We get resurrected bodies. Hallelujah. Come on now. Anybody over 50 is feeling the pains and the aches? Yes? Forget things like where, what page I'm on. But just think, we're going to get resurrected bodies. I'm going to be six feet tall, everybody. New bodies in Christ, amen? Listen to what it says in 1 John 3.2. 3, we're children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Glorious in resurrected bodies. Eternal life in God's kingdom. What could be better? Never to sin against them again. Never to deal with sin natures again or the world system again. These are the blessings that we have in our Father, amen, in our Savior. So listen. As sons and daughters of the living God, we're co-heirs with Christ. And even though we are going to have to suffer things on this side of eternity, they're meaningless. Go through them as a Christian. Even when God takes us through the times of hard times, he's molding us into the image of a son or using us in a capacity that he wants to bring glory and honor to himself or reach the lost with the gospel. So there'll come a time when our eyes close on this side of eternity and we'll be with him and his current sufferings will be meaningless. There'll be a distant past. Can you imagine the second you see the Savior's face? You think you can remember the knee surgery you had when you were 19? No way. Or the aching body you had when you're 77, right, Mike? 78 soon, right? Two weeks? Ooh, Mikey. All right. Look, those things we endure for Christ won't compare. He, listen, our God is in the sovereignty and control of all things. Our Father is over all things. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He can do all things. Nothing is impossible for him. He knows all things. Every concern of my heart, your heart, he knows already. And just waiting for us to come and say, Abba, and cry out to him. Amen? He'll never leave us nor forsake us. This is our Father, and we have all these spiritual blessings and all these things to look forward to if, in fact, we are in Christ, because then we can call him Father. So I have down here, let us rejoice this morning, today, and every day because of the grace of God and the fellowship we have in Christ that we can call God our Father and what we have to look forward to then and to know that he's sovereignly over everything now. And we can have that grace to understand that he's with us forever. We have an inheritance as his sons and daughters to look forward to because he agapes us. He is our wonderful heavenly father. And as I said in the beginning of the message, no matter what our temporal experience may be, we now have a position as God's sons and daughters, and we can call him Heavenly Father. I pray that you were blessed on this Father's Day. Please get your eyes off of the bad experiences you may have had here. Put your eyes on Father God and know what we have in Him, that we're saved in Christ. We have eternal life in Christ. We're justified, righteous, sanctified. And a time will come, we'll live in His eternal kingdom in glorified bodies, 
free from this world system, free from the influences of the evil one, free from the influences of our own flesh, and this will just be a vapor. Won't even remember it when we see the glories of paradise and see Jesus face to face. Amen? Praise God. So rejoice in your heavenly Father today. And if your dads are alive, spend time with your earthly father and reverence them because of the position they hold. Call them. And for us who have lost our dads, let us remember some good, some bad. But then as dads, let's be who our father wants us to be. And I heard Sal say it. Let's emulate our heavenly father in our households and be those ones who will lead our children to Christ. Amen? Let's pray as the worship team makes its way up here. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word and the promises therein that in Christ, Father, we can call you Abba. We can call you Dad or Papa. That we have this intimate relationship with the one who created the heavens and the earth, all that is seen and unseen. And though this vast domain, Lord, and you are infinite, you call into relationship human beings to fellowship with you. You reconciled us to yourself through your Son, You've redeemed us, Lord Jesus, and now we are in communion and unity with the Godhead. And we are so thankful this morning, Lord, to know that as we sojourn through this life, you are with us. And you're sovereignly guiding us. You watch over us. You care for us. We could go through all the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Rapha, our healer, our shepherd, all in all, you are our God. And we thank you this morning. And Lord, we know that when our time on earth passes from here, or if the rapture happens, we have the hope to be in your eternal kingdom forever. No more death, no more dying, no more crying, no more pain, no more sin. Resurrected bodies, Lord, in a paradise beyond our comprehension. Lord, thank you that you are our Father. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came and made the way so we could be adopted sons and daughters. And my God, we just give you all the glory and the honor and the praise today. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's just stand up and worship the Lord one last time. Thousand stories of love. They think you're right, but I've heard.